Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 203. We are doing week five in review. Man, week five was really fun to watch. Recording this now on a Monday afternoon before the Monday night games. Week five was really fun to watch from an NFL standpoint, you know, culminating in a Sunday night game-winning kick by Justin Tucker. Uh, hook em horns on the very last play of game. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, however, this week was either a beatdown or it was a smash week, depending on which players you started or the ones that you played against. And sadly for me, I mainly experienced the uh, beatdown side of this one. So that was pretty painful uh, for me, for sure. But I'm still here to talk about it. So after following all the week five games, here are going to be some of my observations uh, of the, from the week. Try to talk about different teams and different players that maybe I haven't mentioned in the previous week or so and give you an idea what I think from a dynasty perspective. And then we're going to do what we always do, give you a little tip on the waiver wire. You get this on Tuesday morning so that you can make some waiver wire bids, uh, fab, uh, spend your fab money well. And then I'll talk about some trades that went down in my leagues. And we actually have some big ones, some top players in the entire league. Some really top players were uh, traded this week, so pretty fun. Let's jump in just to some observations from week number five. First, I'd say, uh, like I kind of mentioned already, weak winners. Uh, there were some definite weak winners um, that played this week. Uh, Josh Allen, you got to start with him. He scored 40 fantasy points almost all before halftime, too. Uh, he's a weak winner again this week, as he's virtually been every week of the season this far, thus far, averaging 33 points per game. He's just unbelievable. Uh, I, I have Allen in one of my rosters, just one league, and uh, he's, you know, that roster happens to be kind of old and just kind of average right now. But I'm 4-1 and one in that league, mainly due to Allen. Uh, he's carrying my Dynasty team along the way, and I'm sure he's doing that for your teams as well. Uh, he's paired with Basai in, in that league next to one of my favorite, or really my favorite running back in the league, Nick Chubb, who also was a weak winner. Uh, man, Chubb is just a monster. And like Allen, he's carrying Dynasty teams this season too, scoring 22 points per game. He's so fun to watch. He's just masterful how he reads blocks and runs in the interior. He's so balanced and sturdy that it takes several players to bring him down every single time. He's unstoppable, as is the player uh, that he ran up against this Sunday, Austin Eckler. Eckler finally found his footing the last two weeks of the, se- of this, the year here, the, two weeks ago scoring 32 points, this week scoring 34 points. He's still not getting the workload that Dynasty managers would really like, but he's highly efficient with the touches that he does have, and he's averaged 10.8 yards per carry on Sunday and 6.5 receiving. Pretty crazy stat lines for him. Uh, the Browns and the Chargers had the highest scoring game last year when they played each other, and now they've combined this week for 58 combined points, with Chubb and Eckler just kind of trading highlight run after highlight run throughout the game. It sure was fun to watch, uh, but it was also pretty painful, depending on which side of the coin you were on, because these guys were weak winners, or you might call them uh, weak losers, if the case fits. Next, I'd say another one, that I'll, but I'll make it a different point. I'll call it a, make it a pun here, Hillacious game. Talking, of course, about Taysom Hill. He was another game winner this week, but only for Dynasty managers who were courageous enough to start him and benefit. He had two red zone touchdowns and a 22-yard touchdown pass, and that was trumped by a 60-yard game-winning run. 
totaling 34 fantasy points from the stupid tight end position. If you, if you, if you get 34 points from your tight end, that usually carries a fantasy team to a victory, that's for sure. Uh, Hill's role on this offense is so unpredictable, um, it's hard to imagine putting him in starting lineups, but in, in leagues where maybe you have like 10 or more starters, uh, he's a flyer that you just need to throw in your lineup just in case games like this happen. The tight end position is terrible again this year, so dynasty managers may very well start Hill if they don't already have you know one of the top four or five tight ends that are really the only ones reliable. I'm going to be really curious to see what fantasy platforms do uh, with his uh, skill, you know, with his positional status, because he did not play tight end on Sunday. That's ridiculous to call him a tight end. So it's going to be interesting to see what what some of these platforms are going to be forced to do. Alvin Kamara, on the other hand, speaking of Hill, uh, he managed to have the best game of his season, but still, it looks like man, he's just going to need like to have a breakaway run, you know, from 20 or so yards out to score touchdowns this year which is really capping his fantasy ceiling if, if Hill continues to do this in the red zone. Pretty frustrating for dynasty managers who have Kamara, like I do, in several leagues. Uh, it kind of caps his ceiling, which is frustrating. Next observation, I'll call it flying high. Look at this. We get to talk about the Jets. They're flying high after they had their second upset in a row. And their young stars are the ones that are breaking out right before our eyes, which is super fun. Uh, Brees Hall has taken over the wide receiver or, or running back one role for good after splitting time with Michael Carter the first three games of the season. Uh, Hall had a fantastic day on the ground and in the air. It could have had actually a much bigger day, except Carter actually vultured two of his touchdowns. Hall was uh, twice tackled at the one-yard line after breakaway run and after breakaway pass, only then to let Carter come in and score on the next play. So pretty frustrating. Uh, he did finally get in the in the end zone himself. Uh, scoring near the end of the game that was kind of game ceiling touchdown for him. As for Zach Wilson, uh, he really settled down a little bit more this game, improving his complete, completion percentage. He's so erratic, but this week he was 67%, whereas last week he was just 50% on his pass percentage, so pretty bad. But he's improving a little bit, and they only had to throw the ball 21 times because the Jets just kind of had their way on the ground with Miami in this game. And so he distributed the ball uh, pretty evenly among his wide receivers, uh, hopefully the Jets' increased effectiveness running the ball will, and maybe even just the fear of Brees Hall now that he's breaking out will maybe open up some of the passing game in coming weeks so that then we could finally see Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson you know, really see their dynasty value increase. For now, it's kind of strange that uh, Zach Wilson seems to have eyes for Corey Davis. He's producing more than Wilson um, Wilson and Moore in, uh, when he started. So... They're all great picks, two first-round picks, one early, early second-round pick. They've got quite the right receiving core there. Uh, hopefully Zach can continue to settle down and make the receivers be part of this young, flying-high team as Brees Hall is starting to make them already. Next I'll say is uh, takeover time. It's time for two young running backs to take over their backfields, and I think that's going to happen. Uh, we thought this would happen at some point this season, but now two injuries that happened this week have really opened the door for it for sure. I'm talking, of course, about Ramondre Stevenson, who was already on his way to take over for Damien Harris, uh, whose injury on Sunday cleared the path for Stevenson's 25-touch, 19-point fantasy day. And I'm talking, too, about Kenneth Walker, who's beginning, who's kind of starting to eat into Rashad Penny's workload, even though Penny looks really good at the start of this year. But unfortunately, Penny went down with a season-ending injury, broken leg, and now all the touches are going to go to Walker who actually had his first NFL touchdown on a 69-yard run on Sunday. Injuries are part of the game. It's pretty frustrating. It causes managers either to, re either to rejoice or cry. Depends which end of it you're on. If these were your players and they got hurt, you cry. If you had their backups and were just waiting for them to get the opportunity to take all the workload, 
Now you rejoice. That's just the way things work in fantasy. Those who drafted Walker in their rookie drafts are now going to have an every week starter in their lineups. And those who were patient with Stevenson on the rosters can now start him uh, with complete confidence now. Harris's injury is definitely less serious than Penny's, but I highly doubt that he's going to regain a leading role as Stevenson's time to take over. These two are taken over. Next, I'll say, uh, a year too late, Diami Brown, come on. He was among my most rostered players the last two years. I was much higher on him than most dynasty managers and, um, and analysts uh, going into the rookie draft, and so I drafted him a lot a year ago. But Jahan Dotson, when they drafted him, he's also one of my favorite receivers in this class, if you've listened to me for very long. When they drafted him, and then they got uh, added uh, Samuel to their team, it was just kind of like man, I don't see the space space for Brown anymore. And so I dropped Brown off of all of my rosters except one. The only one that I haven't rostered in is a salary cap league where cutting him would actually harm my cap. And so that's the only reason that I haven't done it. Uh, he's finally, uh, you know, had a productive fantasy day, scoring his first two touchdowns of his career on Sunday while replacing Jahan Dotson, who was being, you know, held out with that hamstring injury. Curtis Samuel's effectiveness and usage this season in particular really make me think that Brown's going to just go right back to the bench once Dotson's healthy. Uh, so I'm not, you know, running to the waiver wire to add him back to all my teams. But he has a chance, you know, to build upon this one great game and make maybe make the commanders find a place for him on the field if he keeps doing this. So after all, uh, Terry McLaurin, man, he's not lived up to his his you know value right now. He's not producing for the, fan, for the team. As a fan watching, I really enjoyed seeing what Brown did in this one game. But I thought he was capable of doing it when I drafted him, so I'm a little bit sad, too, that it's a year too late for me. Next, I'd say, uh, fooled you. So this is less of a dynasty take and more of just a rant, but if you'll allow me to rant, I'm so mad at the Lions and the Bengals. They fooled us uh, with reports that Amon Ross St. Brown and T. Higgins recovered from their injuries and were going to be a full go on Sunday. Uh, they lied, and that's terribly frustrating. St. Brown only played 32% of the snaps this week, and T. Higgins played a measly 16% of the snaps. Uh, St. Brown and Higgins are some of my most rostered players, too. If you follow me for long, you know how much I love each of them, and I put my money where my mouth is by trading twice to acquire Tw Higgins and also trading twice to acquire St. Brown. I have St. Brown and Higgins in six of my leagues combined, and I started them in all but one. Needless to say, I lost a lot of fantasy games this week as a result. Pretty frustrating. I hate when coaches and or reporters are dishonest, or maybe they're not just totally dishonest, just things change, but... It's really frustrating when you kind of take them at their word and put these guys in there. Uh, hopefully you feel the pain with me as well. Or maybe you benefited from it, and good for you. Next uh, thing I'll say from this week is hurry back. Uh, Miami's offense under new coach Mike McDaniel was one of the best storylines to start the season as they produced fantasy points like crazy in the wins the first three weeks of the season. But now the storyline has changed to the concussion protocol after Tua. And now Teddy Bridgewater went down with their concussions. It's really unknown how long they're going to remain into the protocol since the rules actually changed this last week. But uh, as long as they're out, the startable Dolphins players are far less reliable in fantasy lineups. Pretty frustrating. You can't take Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle out of your lineup. you got to keep them in there. But you have to lower your expectations uh, significantly if uh, Skylar Thompson is their quarterback. Uh, that's a pretty frustrating situation to be at this point in the season when you really need those guys to produce at their ceilings, not just kind of like a, a safe floor. Uh, Dolphins are focused more on the running game, though, this week. And until uh, he gets injured like he usually does, uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, he's the guy to start uh, to start in dynasty lineups. He's um, 
got the bulk of the bulk of the snap count and touches the last two weeks, and he could get even more this week, or he got he said he got even more this week. Pretty crazy. Uh, even though he, the game kind of got out of hand, they did let Miles Gaskin play in garbage time at the end of the game. Mostert had a great day with 113 yards on the ground. So it's nice to see the dynasty value rise a little bit, even at his age 30. He's probably the only player that maybe benefits. I guess you could argue no one benefits when the quarterback's bad. That's probably mostly true. But it seemed like, at least for this week, they were going to lean more on the run game when Thompson was in there, and Mostert was the one to benefit by far. Not even a, not even a split anymore. Last thing I'll mention before we go to the waiver wire is I'll call it a surprise one-two punch. This is pretty crazy. Jeff Wilson is going to uh, is, is doing what the 49er running backs do, produce fantasy points. That's just what they do. And he's got a surprising new handcuff in the veteran, Tevin Coleman. You've known this before, but Wilson was one of the players, my favorite handcuffs to hold this offseason. Even when the 49ers drafted another running back in Terry and Davis Price, even when they hyped up their undrafted free agent, Jordan Mason, all my bets were on Wilson to back up Elijah Mitchell, and I was proven right. And now he's an every week starter in several of my lineups, which is pretty fun. He scored 13 points last week, 20 this week. You know, not blowing things out of, out of the water, but, but doing pretty well. And a guy that they're just going to keep doing 49er things. But what I never expected was Tevin Coleman to reunite with his old team and rise up the depth chart to be Wilson's primary backup. The 29-year-old Coleman has vultured, vultured two touchdowns this last week. He scored uh, and scored one on a pass and one on a run and actually ended the day with 20 points, fantasy points, one more, just barely scoring above um, what Jeff Wilson did. So pretty crazy. They got two guys up to 20 points in their fantasy, um, one team. That's 49ers doing 49er things. A few weeks ago, I removed Coleman completely from my dynasty rankings, but now I guess I have to add him back. I can't believe it, but with Mitchell with Mitchell and IR, uh, Wilson and Coleman appear to be the one-two punch in San Francisco, which is always a good team to, to hold their running backs. Let's talk a little waiver wire. Uh, pretty good week this week. There's some intriguing plays, players out there. Um, as a reminder, I play in 300 to 360-man rostered leagues. And so these are real dynasty leagues. So if you were in a thinner league, there are certainly better players than this. But if you play in a, a league like I do with 300 to 360 rostered, here's the players I'm thinking about picking up this week. First would be Cade Otten. Uh, Otten looked great in his first game as a starter while Cameron Brait was out to injury. Uh, we're talking, of course, the tight end for Tampa Bay. Uh, he played an impressive 94% of the snaps, and he hauled in six passes for 43 yards. Not, not a ton yardage-wise, but great to have seven targets and have six catches. Uh, he's earned the starting role ahead of Brait, in my opinion. We usually have to wait on tight ends to you know, become fantasy relevant, but we don't have to wait uh, anymore for Brait. We don't have to wait any longer. I'm surprised to see that he was actually available in several, several of my leagues, and so I'm going to seek to add him in every one that he's available for sure. Next player that I think I'd consider on the waiver wire would be uh, Darius Slayton. The Giants passing game is a mess for sure, with no-name players leading the way every week. While Kenny Galladay's career comes to a surprising end, it looks like, and Kadarius Tony and Wondell Robinson just remain on the injury report week after week after week. Slayton held, you know, a significant dynasty value a few years ago when he had like a really good season and and several like breakout games. And so at this point of the season, I think he's a better dynasty asset than David Stills or Richie James or Marcus Johnson. Those are the players that also received a lot of playing time this week. Uh, Slayton is definitely the best dynasty asset of those guys. And so he's long been dropped off of dynasty rosters, and it's about time to add him back. He's available in almost all of my leagues this week, and so he's going to be a player that I put a lot of uh, bids on for sure. Next player, just super flex perspective, I'll say Kyler Thompson. 
Thompson, you know, is a player that I'd like to add this week if I'm in super flex leagues only. Uh, the new NFL concussion rules, like I already said, you know, may prevent Tua and Teddy Bridgewater from coming back. Uh, who knows what's going to happen there. But while he definitely looked overwhelmed on Sunday, uh, Thompson was a Matt Waldman favorite in this year's rookie class, so he may have a chance to prove something in the next coming weeks, so definitely a player that I think is going to get picked up in all the Superflex leagues if he's not already rostered. Two more to mention, Diami Brown, like I already said. Um, I don't like the Browns, Browns' chances to stay in the wide receiver rotation once Jahan Dotson comes back, but he may have left the door cracked um, open just a bit, so I'd consider adding Brown to rosters, you know, again, in, in my deepest of leagues. And then last, I would mention that I already talked about Tevin Coleman. I've already said, you know, what I think about Coleman's dynasty value. He was off my off my rankings. I'm going to add him back at the very bottom. But, I, you know, I can't believe that he's, you know, going to revive his career at this point. But he could provide some, you know, fantasy points this season until Elijah Mitchell returns from the lineup. So I'd consider adding Coleman in the very deepest of leagues. So those are the waiver wire picks. Let's close out this podcast by talking about four trades, some were blockbuster trades that were made in my leagues this week. Here are my thoughts on some of those. First of all, Justin Jefferson, arguably the number one, and at least in non-superflex leagues, the most valuable asset, In uh, but in this superflex league, Justin Jefferson was traded for Trey Lance and Javante Williams. So I'll bet that there were many trade offers were made this week for, for Javante Williams. I'm sure that they were after his season ended a week ago with a knee injury. Uh, teams that were in rebuild mode offered trades likely to contending teams with Williams on their rosters to try to get like two-for-one deals. For instance, I'm a contending team in my only league where I actually have Williams on my roster, and I was offered Cam Akers, Rashad Penny, and a 2023 second-round pick for Williams in my 2023 first-round pick. I thought about it for a bit, but ultimately declined the offer. I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of trades like this that were offered in your leagues this week as well. Well, this one helped both teams, you know, given the rebuilding team, a future starting quarterback if Trey Lance really comes back, and Javante Williams as a future starting running back. So uh, pretty valuable in a super flex league to have those guys. So he basically traded Justin Jefferson for two injured guys. As for the team that acquired Jefferson, uh, he's definitely a top contending team. And now this is a 14-team league, and so there's pretty big disparity between the haves and the have-nots in this league. You start 11 players in this league without kickers and defenses. And so the, the rosters get thin really quick. And for this contending team to add Justin Jefferson to his lineup is uh, pretty pretty good. He's going to be pretty saucy and hard to beat now. So this move makes the contending team, uh, team uh, incredibly tougher to beat. And he still has three starting quarterbacks on his roster, so it wasn't a big deal for him to give up Lance. So good job by this guy. I think it's going to help him you know, be among the top teams in the league. Uh, the team that traded away Jefferson is 0-6. and six. And so he just had to do what he had to do to try to rebuild. Uh, I only wish that he could have somehow got like a first-round pick out of it or something like that, or maybe even a, a second-round pick. But that's the price of Jefferson in a Superflex League. Next trade uh, was a simple one, just player for player, Antonio Gibson for Tyler Lockett. Uh, even though he's much older, I like the Lockett side of this trade. In fact, the manager who was uh, putting this trade out there uh, texted me and said, hey, what do you think about this? You know, which, were the, which would you like? And tried to kind of get a little bit of my advice. And I was like, oh, I'd go with Lockett. Uh, Geno Smith hasn't hampered Lockett and the Seattle offense like I thought that they would, so his dynasty value has really risen over the last few weeks. Whereas Gibson, uh, he's received limited touches in Washington. Uh, Jonathan Williams even cut into his workload last week, and then Brian Robinson made his much-awaited return this week. I'm biased because I didn't like Gibson nearly as much as every other dynasty manager 
did in, that, in his rookie class. Uh, he looked like he was going to prove me wrong after his first season, but ever since, I've looked more right than wrong with my evaluation of Gibson. And I think now Washington realizes that now, too. Love the Lockett side of this trade. Next trade, another big one. I mentioned Justin Jefferson going in a trade. This one, Kyle Pitts went in a trade. So your top tight end by most folks' standards. I'd have him down a little bit, not number one, but a lot of people have him number one since he's 21 years old. But Kyle Pitts was traded for Miles Sanders, Marquise Brown, and Albert O. So a big trade. Kyle Pitts for Miles Sanders, Marquise Brown, and Albert O. Uh, this trade was my first one that I've seen of Kyle Pitts. Um, and it's, you know, it's a doozy. It's a big one. Uh, this trade was made between two competitive teams, too. Uh, one team wanted the best player in the deal, and I guess the other wanted more starters in his lineup. Uh, after a terrible start to a season, Pitts' dynasty value, it shows that it's actually holding steady when you can get this much for him. A uh, three-for-one deal feels about right to me, because in this league, we start nine players without kickers or defenses. Um, I think, I think given that's the case, I like the package side of this trade just a little bit more. But I'm also admittedly a Sanders truther, so um, I like Sanders way more than most, most people do. Uh, Brown has produced far better than I expected him to do in Arizona so far, though he is injury prone and he kind of has the, his, his you know, breakout, what he's doing right now might be just because DeAndre Hopkins is not on the field yet when he's coming back here in a few weeks. But still from an age standpoint, uh, Brown is arguably the wide receiver one of the future for Arizona once Hopkins kind of ages out. Anyway, uh, pretty big trade. That shows the price of Pitts. Uh, pretty even trade in my eyes. Kyle Pitts for Sanders, Marquise Brown, and Albert O. And now that same manager, realizing that he didn't want to have Albert O as a starting tight end, made another trade uh, to get a tight end. And that's this last one I'll mention. It was just pretty simple. Zach Ertz for a 2023 second-round pick. Zach Ertz for a 2023 second-round pick. The manager who sold Ertz has been shopping him all season long. He's in full rebuild mode in this league. And he's collecting a ton of future picks. I mean, he's got like three or four in first, second round picks uh, for this year and in 2024. So he's going to have fun rebuilding. But for the team that you know is trying to take a chance here and made that competitive you know trade to get Hurts, uh, now he's lost Kyle Pitts. But in the whole package, when you consider these two trades, now he's got Miles Sanders, Marquise Brown, and Zach Ertz, which would be every week starters in this league in particular. So he lost one guy, but he got three starters for this season. Uh, from a dynasty perspective, we'll see how it plays out, but for this season, it's definitely made his team more competitive with those three roster spots compared to one. All right, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Much better on email than I am with Twitter, so email me dynastyfreaks with two e's at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you would take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. I'll be with you back for one more week, and then we're taking a little vacation to Israel, and so I will be gone for a couple weeks, but I'll be following everything best I can in the middle of the night. You just won't hear from me. Thanks so much. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.